I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 22nd of February 2016. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On today's show, Jack Wilshire speaks to us about the next wave of academy graduates that have caught his eye. Spanish football expert Lee Roden previews Tuesday's huge Champions League tie against Barcelona. And we meet February's Guna of the Month. But let's kick off with the weekend review. After the euphoria of the last-minute win against Leicester City last weekend, the Gunners turned their attention back to the FA Cup defence when they faced Hull City for a third consecutive season on Saturday. And it would largely prove to be a frustrating afternoon for the Gunners. Arsenal created all the chances in the first period, with Danny Welbeck and Theo Walcott both going close. But the teams went in goalless at the break. The second half followed a similar pattern, with Joel Campbell coming closest to breaking the deadlock when his free kick struck the post. Uh, Joel Campbell is standing over the free kick, just a yard outside the penalty area, just a couple of yards away from the angle on the right, and it comes left-footed, good effort, hits the post, ricochets out, and the follow-up is over the crossbar. Well, Flamini it was that had the shot from outside the box on the follow-up, but so, so close from Joel Campbell here. Replays show that the hole keeper Eldin Jakubovic got an all-important touch to push it onto the post, and the hole stopper wasn't finished yet, next denying Danny Welbeck, just after the hour mark. Here is Awobi. Now it's with Welbeck, left-hand side. Edge of the box still coming forward. Looks for the corner, takes the deflection. Great save from Jakubovic. Brilliant stop from the Hull City keeper. That's a fantastic stop. It really is. He took a deflection last minute. The break gets away. Awobi gets the right side of his midfield midfielder. He lays the ball first time out to Danny Welbeck. He knew what he was going to do. Takes a touch, cuts inside. And gets his strike away and it takes a slight deflection, flying into the corner. Great save. Jakubovic would go on to make 11 saves in total, proving to be a thorn in Arsenal's side all afternoon. After the game, Gunnar skipper Per Mertesacker spoke to Arsenal player about the need to be more decisive in front of goal. And we had a couple of good chances, but uh, we couldn't um, keep the pressure as high as we wanted, uh, especially in the second half. But... I think we have uh, we have had enough chances um, to win today, but uh, today uh, we, were, we weren't lucky at times. But um, I think overall, 
disappointing, uh, especially on our finishing. I think it's down to us. Um, we produced a, def a good defensive uh, performance, but overall in the final third, um, that little final pass at the end, we always rushed ourselves at times uh, to finish. Um, so we need to learn from that, but maybe it, it gives us another lift, another FA, FA Cup game. Um, and you never know, but uh, we take just the next step now, uh, Champions League, and focus on that. Arsene Wenger faced the press next with his verdict on the Gunners' performance. I'm not as relaxed as I look, and uh, <laughs> and uh, honestly, uh, am I nervous or angry? Doesn't change the result. Unfortunately, I would be if it could change the result, but I think uh, it's not the, what we planned. But in football, it doesn't always go like planned. It's how you respond and uh, how you find the solution to what we face now. It means we have to go to Ireland, we have to qualify. Akipa did well, and uh, of course, but uh, we had, uh, I don't know, a 70% possession and uh, over 20 shots on goal, and we didn't score. So we have to look at ourselves as well, even if we, uh, you can uh, give credit to our keeper. The boss also looked ahead to that Champions League tie with Barcelona on Tuesday. Of course, it's an exciting game. Uh, we were the favourites today. We'll not be on Tuesday night, you know. So uh, on Tuesday night, we'll uh, need a great solidarity because we need to defend well. We know all that. And uh, make the maximum of uh, our possessions, uh, what we didn't do today. Think you can win it on Tuesday? That individual game, the home leg? Uh, I, uh, of course, we try to win this game. And uh, I want to go home now because they play at 5.30 and want to watch me. <laughs> so that's Wenger's thoughts on the first leg tie against Barcelona. And we'll hear more about that very game next with our Arsenal insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Our Arsenal insider this week is more of a Spanish football insider, to be frank. It's Spanish and European football journalist Lee Roden who joins us now. Lee, how's it going, my friend? Very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Looking forward to your thoughts on Barcelona in just a second. But I think if we can, what are your thoughts on, on Arsenal this season, particularly European-wise and how they've shaped up and how they'll fare possibly heading into this one? Well, I think this one is a real test. And I think we, we, we always wonder with Arsenal before they get to the knockout stages um, just how good they really are. And uh, I think this will tell us a lot. I, I don't think, barring maybe um, anyone who's at the club themselves and anyone who's a, a diehard fan, I think most neutrals would, would expect that this is maybe a bit too much of an ask for them. But in terms of where this team is going maybe next season, I think we'll find out a lot from, from this game, um, how they can do against uh, probably the best team in Europe at the moment. We've seen, haven't we, when they had to toward the end of the group stages, one or two real standout performances to get at least this far. But that was on the back of a very slow start to the campaign, which, which nearly cost them and meant they almost didn't get to this point. Yeah, and it feels like that's been something that's been happening more and more in recent years as well. It used to be almost a given that you'd get Arsenal out of the group stages and it uh, seems to have been taking a little bit longer. But I think also they seem to have clicked at the right time. Um, and you'd really rather, I think, that your team was getting better towards the end rather than uh, starting well and fizzling out. 
So I guess that's a positive for them going into this game. Although a lot of time has passed since uh, December, obviously. <laughs> that is very, very true. But at least, as you say, heading in on a, an upward curve from the end of the group stages before Christmas. Um, and as you rightly say as well, they'll need to be right on their money against this star-studded, brilliant Barca team who are waltzing clear in La Liga and looking so strong as well in Europe. Just a quick thought on Messi, Neymar and Suarez, because we kind of don't want to go there in too much detail because it's kind of been done and it's fairly obvious. But um, not a bad trio, are they? No, not a bad trio, <laughs> I think. As you say, a lot of people have talked about them. I think what the the real the real uh, standout point for me is that they're not just a, a goal scoring force for Barca, but they're a the creative force as well. And that was that's what makes them different to the other front threes that they've had. I mean, they've had Barca have had some amazing front threes over the years. Henri, Messi, Eto, obviously been a pretty damn good one too. But this one, they're like strikers, playmakers, and almost midfielders rolled into one. It's incredible, really, to watch how they just dominate games between the three of them. Um, and, and that's what really makes them stand out and what makes them special. And they seem to be almost getting better, which is even more scary, I think, for opponents. So we look beyond those three then, Lee. Just tell me through a couple of the other sort of team strengths and, and one or two of the more unsung heroes that you think could be a real problem for the Gunners. Look, the thing, I think, uh, without a shadow of a doubt this season, what stands out to me is that if you stop Busquets, you stop Barca. He's by far the most... Uh, put the front three to one side, he's the most... Important, most pivotal to, to go into a cliche uh, player amongst all of them um, and how they play. If, when he doesn't play, you notice that at the weekend he didn't play, he was rested. They really struggled to get the ball to the front three in any kind of good condition for them to do anything. And uh, when teams put a particular plan to try and block him, that's when they tend to have some success. I mean, first, haven't lost, I think it's 22 games now. Last time they lost was against Sevilla, but they have gone. And uh, one of the best tactical displays that I've seen any manager produce against them was when Deportivo drew them the camp now. And Victor Sanchez is a very promising young coach, by the way, keep an eye on him. Um, put in a particular plan to stop Busquets and he left his number 10 up the pitch on top of Busquets at all times. Barca couldn't build from the back, they couldn't get the ball to the front three in any kind of good standard and therefore took a very good draw. So I think Busquets, by a, without a shadow of a doubt for me, is, is the key. If you can target him, if you can try and keep him quiet somehow, then you have a much higher chance of doing something. And then after that, PK again, very important in bringing ball back to the back. Also very important in the defensive capacity. His level this season and over the last three years in general, I think, is much more in tune with his peak in his earlier years. So he's important. And then another one that maybe people don't look at is Ivan Rakitic. Not quite as spectacular as he was when he was at Sevilla. Maybe doesn't produce as many sort of stunning cross-field passes, but tactically very important, very disciplined. There's a lot of work off the ball that really helps protect them on that right bank where they can be a little bit susceptible sometimes with uh, Danny Alves and Messi on the same side. So Rakitic is very important as well. Those are the three that stand out for me. Oh, that's great. That's really good insight for three for our, our fans to watch as the game ensues on Tuesday night. Um, I guess pace at the back is something that's often been thrown, hasn't it, at, at the, the great Real and, and Barcelona teams of years gone by. Would that be a weakness now still? Or, or where do you think is an area that, that perhaps there is a fallibility? Well, uh, pace at the back now, it depends on who he plays, but I have a su suspicion that the big... The position is really up to play for in this game is at right-back. Danny Alves has had a run of maybe three or four games where he's not been very good. His replacement, Alex Vidal, very quick uh, right-sided player, has been pretty solid. And if he starts him, well, then you've got Alex Vidal, you've got Jordi Alba, both very quick fullbacks, And you've got Javier Mascherano, who's no slouch himself. And then PK, positionally, is so good now that I don't think his, his lack of maybe a sprinting speed is exposed so much. So I, I'm not sure that's a, an avenue that you're going to get them at. 
Um, again, I, I think it's all really the keys in, in the middle, the deepest midfield position is, is what knits the team together. And if you can create a problem there, then you might just be able to trouble them. That's that's the big weakness that Arsenal can try and exploit. It's easier said than done. A lot of teams have tried. And then to maintain that over the course of 90 minutes is a different question. Uh, that's the, the big one, I think. Now, a lot of Arsenal fans will be tapping into that superb victory against Bayern Munich that really got the group stage campaign back on track, didn't it? And in that game for Mealy, I thought the Gunners really showed that they can operate with a plan B, if you like, in Europe and, and soak up pressure sometimes rather than always being the team that's trying to be on the initiative and trying to go forward and trying to play through the balls to create the chances to pinch the game that way. Um, do you think that might serve them well? Well, that, for me, that performance and that counter-attacking style, it's almost like a return to what really made Arsenal great in their best years about a decade or so ago. So it's nothing new. It's almost like looking back to, to what they succeeded with before. But I think the difference with this, this Barca side and that Bayern team is that this Barca team is actually quite happy to play on the break itself. So if you try and see the initiative to them and say, well, come at us and we'll break, they're quite happy to say, no, we'll say, well, we'll sit back. They've done that at the weekend <laughs> um, against a small team. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll soak up the pressure. They'll, they're well organised enough to do that. And then they'll release someone like Neymar on the break and you're done. And that's all it takes. So it's, it's very hard to try and uh, to suck them in to, to play in a game they don't like because they're so versatile. So just a couple of quick ones to finish, Lee. If I could ask you to, to predict how you feel just the first leg will pan out, what do you think will happen scoreline-wise, roughly? Well, Barca have generally, I think, in the, in the last maybe month, last month and a half not necessarily been playing very well away from home um, but still been winning more or less um, and then taking into account that the legs in London between these two are generally very close I think a draw is probably the, the most likely result Barca won't even necessarily dominate or, or play particularly well I wouldn't be surprised if there's periods where Arsenal are actually the better team but again with these guys up top it only takes one mistake one little thing and, and boom They've got you, they'll unlock you. So I think wouldn't even be too surprised to see another 2-2 draw like we had the, the famous one with Ibrahimovic's brace. That's the result I'm edging towards at the moment, I think. And just finally, we've been training up our uh, tactical analyst, Adrian Clark, who'll be joining us in a bit to give us a snappy one sentence, which he'll do for, for the Man United game. But for this one from you, in a sentence, please, Lee, how do you beat Barcelona? Stop Sergio Busquets. That's it. That is snappy, short, sharp. We love it. Lee Roden joining us to look ahead to Arsenal against Barcelona. Really good to have you on the Arsenal Weekly podcast, my friend. No worries. Good, man. Thanks. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. The last time Arsenal hosted Barcelona at the Emirates, a certain Jack Wilshere introduced himself to world football with a midfield masterclass. He spoke to Arsenal media's Carl Finocchiaro about the current crop of academy players and Alex Iwobi's rise to the first-team squad. Jack, we're seeing the next wave of academy players making the move into the first team now and guys doing well on loan as well. We've got Alex Iwobi breaking into the first team. As someone who's been through that at the club, do those guys seek you out for advice and ask you any questions? Um, you know, I think sometimes it's hard for them because you know, they might be a little bit shy or... But they don't really ask you, but you feel like almost a responsibility. You're there, you know, you've been there, you know what they're going through. All of a sudden, he's coming to a dressing room, you know, with the likes of Meza Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, and they're big players, you know, that could be, can be scary for a young player, but... 
you know, to be fair to Alex, especially what I've seen this season, and you know, I've been on the pitch with him, but what I've seen off the pitch with him, he's a good kid. You know, he wants to learn, and he, he he's got the right attitude. He puts in the work in training, and you know, when he gets the time as well on the pitch, he's showing what showing the fans what he can do. Do you like to mentor the young guys? Maybe seek them out and have a chat with them. Yeah, I don't. I don't like to call it mentoring really because you know they're not. Alex is nineteen. He's not a kid. You know, he, he, but it. But I know what it's like for them. Who, uh, for him to, for him because he's been there. So, you know, you almost feel, as I said, a, a little bit of a responsibility not to mentor him, but just to put him in the right direction. And you know, if, if of course, if he's got any questions ever. You, you, you know, you can come to me or Francis or Kieran, players like that who've been there. You're a young man, but you're a senior player. Do, do you feel like you've got a responsibility that you should be stepping in and, and correcting things if you see them doing it wrong? Yeah, I, I think back to when I first came in, you know, and players like Sesk and Sami and Nasri, they were great with me. You know, they they put their arm around me, if you like, and told me, you know, how to, how to act, what... If I didn't play, you know, I was upset, you know, to say, listen, you're young, you're going to play. So I look back then and if I can be like they were to me, for Alex, then I'll do it. So the boss said that the that Alex just got himself a spot in the first team dressing room. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. And what happens there? Is there any rituals? Is there anything he's got to do now? Who's he sitting next to? Uh, he will be sitting next to like Danny Welbeck and... Francis, maybe, yeah, in, in that corner. So, you know, Danny's a good lad. Danny will look after him and, you know, Danny can, can make friends with anyone, so he'll be right. Has he got to sing a song or has he already done No, it? he's already done that. So when you, you get your first call up to the squad, you have to do a song, so he's all right. Do you remember his one? Mm, I was probably into it. <laughs> do you remember yours? Yeah, I do remember mine. I'd, I got away with it a little bit because I'd sing... Happy birthday to Gail Clichy. I was so nervous. I was 16 in front of Van Persie, Fabregas. And to be fair, Jono told me that it's his birthday, so I got away with it. That is ridiculous. I got told you got you get rinsed if you sing national anthems yeah, as well. I mean, you have to remember, back count. then, yeah. things have changed since then. Players have changed. There's not one player now here. Maybe Gibber. So things have changed. Who's been the best uh, song that you've had? Like someone that's come up through the youth ranks, not someone that's. I was going to say Per. What was it? He sang. Oh, no, it goes on her name. Uh, uh, baby. Ooh, I, I want to know. Yeah, what's that yeah. yeah, he was Anyone good. Anyone know? Cameraman, you know? <laughs> but his was good. Um, <clears throat> that walk down the corridor. You, you were alluding to it before. Everyone here talks about it's the shortest walk at the club, but it's the longest, mm. and metaphorically. Do you remember when you made the move? Were you nervous the way you imagine Alex might be? Yeah. A lot of changes because he'd, been, he'd obviously been parking in the youth end for, the, for his whole Arsenal career. You know, been using their physios, using their gym, training with them. And a lot changes, you know, you, all of a sudden you move to the first team car park, you walk in where the first team walks, you almost feel like a proper player, you know, part of it, part of the first team and, you know, I think the first team respect you a little bit more as well because, you know, it's easy for, 
for the boss, I need some young players and young players to go from their end to train with us. But once you make that walk up, you almost feel like part of the team. So it is it is quite scary. But you know what I've seen so far of Alex, he's confident and he's taking it in his stride. Are you like the rest? You know, you're an Arsenal guy, right? Are you like the rest of us, where you you're hanging out to see the next prospect, the next yeah. person to come through the ranks? Are you like that? Yeah, and I always think that shows the boss shows a lot of courage in you and. Um, once he, he puts you in the dressing room, you know, you're know you under his wing now, you're not under the youth team. He, he wants you to train with him every day and he wants to watch you grow and, and be part of the team. You happy with what you see from the younger guys? Yeah, yeah, there's a few down there. You know, I mentioned them before. You know, Jeff Adelaide, he's a good player. He won't be long before he is, you know, he's knocking on the door. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. For the first team, and Danny Crowley as well, for me, is... He's still a special talent, and he, if it was down to me, it wouldn't be long. But there's a few, and you know, Alex is probably leading the way now. You know, it's okay. What is it now? Since I've done it six, seven years since I've done the step, and apart from that, you know, not really someone who's come through the academy. I'm talking under eights, under nines, has done it, and now they've seen another one's done it. It will give them confidence. 
Jack, Francis Coquelin and Kieran Gibbs are a shining example to today's academy graduates that if you're good enough, you will play a part. It'll be interesting to see who makes that step up next. We're at the halfway point of today's show, and that means it's time for a history lesson. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Oh, Charlie George, you can hit him. It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 26th of February 2012, Arsenal played Tottenham at the Emirates Stadium and produced one of their most memorable North London derby performances of all time. The Gunners found themselves two goals down inside 35 minutes, but the game was turned on its head in the final five minutes of the first half. It's back out to Gibbs. Much, much better from Arsenal. Arteta. Sanya with a header, what a goal that was! Bakary Sanya timed his run to perfection. Walcott's made a run in the penalty area. Asuakota, not very convincing clearance, Van Persie. Great strike, what a goal! That is a brilliant goal from Robin Van Persie, his 29th goal of the season, and none better. And just five minutes into the second period, Arsenal went ahead through cult hero Thomas Radzitski. Here's Radzitski, Sanya has made the overlap. Sanya plays it across, Rosicki's there and scores! Arsenal have turned this game round, they were two goals behind and now they have the lead. Theo Walcott had endured a frustrating afternoon but his fortunes changed with two goals in three scintillating minutes. Good play again by Rosicki onto Van Persie, he's got no Arsenal player with him so he's going to have to go on his own. Now Walcott's made a tremendous run, spotted by Van Persie. Walcott to make it four, and he's done it! What a finish! Theo Walcott made by Robin Van Persie, and suddenly Arsenal have turned this game completely round. They were two down, and now they lead 4-2. Extraordinary! Son. Early ball, Walcott's onside again. Theo Walcott, he's away, and he scored! Arsenal has scored a fifth goal, by Son, and this is quite incredible. 5-2. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm absolutely buzzing. What a game. The win added another chapter to Arsene Wenger's impressive collection of North London derby memories. Here's the boss looking back on that game. Well, uh, that was a night where suddenly everything clicked and uh, going forward we were absolutely tremendous. And uh, that was uh, an exceptional day as well. And... Uh, Overall, uh, I personally, uh, I remember more the, the days where it hurts <laughs> when the days were all clicked and uh, went well, you know. But uh, we work all for these moments where we want to give our fans and people who love the club and who love football as well uh, this kind of great moment. It shows you that in football everything is possible and uh, as long as you keep belief, focus on the quality of your game and uh, refuse to give in, you know. Uh, I told you uh, uh, to go through uncomfortable moments in the game and without losing that desire to win, that's the key. The only moment uh, where you feel more, I felt more uh, appalled was uh, when we were 2-0 down in, uh, in the FA Cup final, you know, because you think uh, the whole fans prepare to come for these and uh, suddenly you're 2-0 down, what, what's going on there? And uh, well, it's a bit similar in a derby. 
Amazingly, Lightning would strike twice just nine months later, when the Arsenal would beat Spurs by the same scoreline in the Premier League the following season. We'll have another history lesson next week, but coming up next, we're meeting February's Guna of the Month. Guna of the Month for February is an L.A. Guna. It's Patrick Corcoran who joins us all the way from Los Angeles, California, here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Uh, Patrick, hi there, mate. How's it going? Good, good. How are you, Russell? Yeah, very good, thank you. So, if you can then, just begin by telling us your Arsenal origin story. Why and when and how you became a fan. Yeah, definitely. Well, it all actually uh, started in 2006 during the World Cup. Um, one of my good friends and his dad actually were uh, from North London and supported Arsenal. And so during that year, we'd watch uh, Thierry Henry and the French national team, and they kind of uh, introduced me to the sport a lot more then. And ever since then, they used to come and, you know, throw rocks at my window to get me up to watch early matches. <laughs> I remember going and watching, like, Sunderland and teams I didn't really understand, and it just kind of, uh, you know, springboarded from there and just kind of took off and definitely been a, a good experience so far. And obviously living across on the west coast of America, just describe a bit about your match day ritual and with that time difference, how you managed to take in all of the Arsenal games. Yeah, no, it's... Um, originally, I would just watch at uh, my friend the Palmer's house. Um, that was when I was growing up in Los Angeles. So when I moved to Orange County, I actually started uh, going to watch matches with the OC Gooners, which is a supporters club, part of Arsenal America. And uh, we watched at the Old Ship in Santa Ana, so... Match day rituals is generally waking up when it's dark and you're pretty tired and you just kind of go to the pub and hang out with the lads and have a couple pints and chat and it's a lot of fun. Sounds very, very British. I like it. I'm glad that we've managed to kind of export and you've taken on this kind of match day ritual. It's ideal. So the old ship sounds like quite a nice little uh, watering hole. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the local one for Orange County. They, um, they have Arsenal as well as, you know, other supporters groups, and it's, it's a good experience because when you get the banner from everyone when on the big matches like against Chelsea and United because uh, they have uh, some support there. But we like to we go back and forth and have a good time and, you know, it's all about the football. And, you know, whenever Arsenal does well, like against United this year, it's even more fun. And how big is the community? How many people do you often get for, say, some of the big games? How many might you have for maybe a, a Barcelona or a Man United game, for example, coming up? The Barcelona one, probably not as much, just because it's a, a lunchtime game for us here, so some people at work. But you'll get a, maybe a good 15 people, and that'll either, you know, take a little bit of a longer lunch or just not go to work at all. It kind of depends <laughs> on how they want to feel. Uh, but against United, we'll have a, a pretty good turnout of about 30 to 40 people sometimes, and then we get people from, you know, San Diego, Los Angeles, Orange County. Just They come from all over the place just to, to hang out and watch the match, and we even get some people traveling from the U.K. that actually uh, – hit us up on Twitter and, and everything like that to, to come watch the matches and kind of have that atmosphere uh, away from home. Like it. So that's the people who potentially might come and watch Arsenal where you are. Have you come where we are? And have you been here to the Emirates to see a game ever? I have not. Uh, me and my fiance were trying to plan on going uh, probably sometime next year because we get married this year. So in terms of finances, it's a little bit more difficult. But um, I have seen Arsenal play in New York, and then with them coming out here to the West Coast for two games this year, I'll definitely get a chance to see them in, uh, in my backyard, which is quite amazing. So you've got your, your, your shoes blacked, as we'd say here, for that. So you're, you're definitely going to get in and, and get stuck into those games. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, me and a group of my friends are already planning on, 
on driving up to San Jose, which is about a six-hour drive from where we are for the matches and, and taking some time off during the week to be a part of all the festivities, like in New York. And then with L.A. being so close to my house and my family, I'm hoping to get my uh, my nephew to come for the first time. He's going to be two around that time. So it'll be a good, uh, you know, get him started young. Spread the word, Patrick. Get the whole clan supporting the Gunners. That's what we like. Um, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned briefly, obviously, 2006 and, and seeing Thierry Henry in international colours and, and kind of getting into Arsenal that way. But what would be one of your favourite Arsenal memories so far from having followed the club for the last 10 years? Um, I would probably say one of my first that I can remember is, with Henri specifically was the, the goal against Leeds in the FA Cup. Um, I just remember him coming back and the fanfare around that and how excited I was just because I never saw him playing an Arsenal shirt because he went to Barcelona uh, shortly after that World Cup. So it was, uh, it was good to, to get to see that. And then um, the one that I remember the most is just uh, the first FA Cup uh, victory in my tenure of uh, watching Arsenal when they beat Hull just uh, the whole day. My nephew was actually born that day before. So oh, wow. I was at the hospital until late at night and drove early in the morning to go to the pub and it was just uh, one of those experiences that I won't forget, the final whistle and just uh, you know going down early and coming back to win it. And Ramsey's, Ramsey's winner laid on just before everything. It, it, it was uh, one of the things I'll always remember in my life. That's brilliant. It's a really good story. Who then would be your favourite Arsenal player, current and past? Uh, my current one's uh, Theo Walcott, definitely. Um, I've just been a fan of his since I started watching his, his type of game and his pace and stuff that he brings in has always uh, kind of geared me towards that because when I play, typically like to play out wide and, and use my speed to, to take on defenders. And, and you're just like as that. quick, obviously, uh, clearly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Maybe faster even. <laughs> uh, and would you say Henri for, for historical? I mean, there's, there's a few others from that period as well that you must have loved following too. Yeah, I mean, Henri definitely, I mean, he, his, you know, his name really carried and it was one of those things that I heard more stories about him because of, you know, my friends Dan and Carl and, and they, they are the ones who kind of grew up watching and they, they would always, you know, talk about the days at Highbury and, and what he meant to the club and, and everything like that. So I would say he's probably uh, my favorite pass. So it seems like the number 14 resonates with me pretty strongly. Mm. Just tell me to conclude then, Patrick, what is uh, the best thing about being an Arsenal fan, would you say? Um, I just like everything that the club stands for, really. I mean, that's always been something, you know, just as a sports fan in general, is that, you know, having this big support system worldwide that I've come to, you know, know and love with, you know, having Arsenal America and even stuff like this, where I send an email after being at the gym and I get an email saying, you know, hey, we want you to be a part of this. It's, it's just uh, the family experience and just everything that the club stands for is uh, really important to me and I, I think that you know being able to to represent the club and just being a fan in general is uh, kind of perpetuating that and showing it to other people and introducing them to what Arsenal is about we'll continue to spread that word my friend and hopefully you'll get the chance to get over as promised with uh, your future Mrs Corcoran to see uh, a game in the next season or two live here at the Emirates that would be absolutely brilliant and our thanks to Patrick for being our Guna of the month great to have you on the Arsenal weekly podcast yeah thank you Russell I really appreciate it and if you want to be in with a chance of being on March's show as the next Gooner of the Month, you can follow in Patrick's footsteps. Drop us an email to arsenalweekly at arsenal.co.uk. 
So the huge games just keep on coming for Arsenal. They travel to Old Trafford to face Manchester United on Sunday. Adrian Clark will be in the Matchday Show presenter's chair for that one and joins me now for his customary slot. Clarkie, how's it going, mate? Very good, thank you. Yeah, all is well. He had a controversial Saturday off. What's going on? <laughs> this is a very, yeah, a rarity. Yeah. But... As you mentioned, the games are coming thick and fast now. So, um, yeah, I'll be pretty occupied, I imagine, over the next few months. Tell you what, it'd be rude not to get your take just very quickly on Barcelona. We've done it once on the show already, mm. but let's just get your mm. thoughts. I'm very excited about it. It's obviously going to be incredibly hard over two legs to beat them. But, but here at Emirates Stadium, if we play like we did against Bayern Munich, if we can handle the front three and soak up that pressure, I do think we'll get chances on the counter-attack. And... We just need to be a little bit more ruthless than we've been for the most of this season. If we can take the chances that come our way, a shock could happen, but I probably fancy a score draw. OK, OK, that sounds like a fair prediction to me. So from there, the Gunners make the trip to Old Trafford and uh, I wonder whether this is one of their best chances for a win there in, in quite a while. Should be. It really should because Manchester United are having a poor season, aren't they? They've not delivered the kind of football that you expect for, from them and they've not been that solid either. A lot of teams have gone to Old Trafford and, and handled what they've had to throw at them and been able to, to punish them at the other end of the pitch as well. So, no, you look, at, you look at their form and there is absolutely no reason for Arsenal to feel intimidated by Old Trafford, even if it isn't the happiest of hunting grounds. We saw, though, didn't we, earlier in the season when Arsenal played a Chelsea team who'd been out of form. Guess what? They suddenly upped their game for a game like that. And I just wonder still whether United might have that in their we locker. Sh we shouldn't be overconfident, that is for sure. Because yeah. you, look, you look at their players and they have quality running through their entire side. And also, they have fared pretty well against the bigger teams. If you look at the list of the 11 teams that have beaten Manchester United this season, <laughs> Arsenal, 11 teams, yes, which is remarkable in itself. And it's a terrible reflection on Louis van Gaal. But if you look at that list, Arsenal are head and shoulders the biggest club to have beaten Manchester United this season. They, they beat Spurs. They, uh, they, beat, uh, they drew with Chelsea. Yeah. They drew with Leicester. They drew with Man City. So they've found a way to do OK in the tougher tests, actually, this year. And on home turf, even though the results haven't been brilliant, they have actually restricted opposition teams quite effectively. So um, this isn't a gimme. Let's not kid ourselves. So they'll probably still be without Wayne Rooney for a while longer, as we understand it. And obviously one of the issues, Clark, has been, hasn't it, that lack of movement in midfield, that lack of drive on and off the ball. I wonder if that's something they'll be able to address and how they'll do it with perhaps someone like Martial maybe playing up front. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think if you're talking about the biggest threats to Arsenal in this game, I'm looking at Anthony Martial. I thought... He was terrific here at Emirates Stadium in the match here, even though United were walloped, shall we say. He was good and a constant threat. So it's good news, maybe in a way, for them that he's leading the line, even though they'll miss Wayne Rooney. And when he peels to the channels, he'll try and drag the likes of Mertesacker or Koscielny with him. And that is where you can imagine him causing problems, running at the defenders, cutting inside, looking to arrow shots across the goalkeeper. So that's... A worry, but but Manchester United in central midfield this year they've lacked dynamism, haven't they? And and that is holding them back. I, I, until they address that, I just think that they are always going to struggle to score goals. 
And most fallible issues for United, is it back at the back now? Because obviously they had a run where they were actually defensively quite sound, as you touched on, yeah. and then even that seems to have come to it, a bit it of It does, and injuries have hurt them, haven't they, you've got to say. They've been vulnerable at set plays this season, no question about that. If I think about a lot of the goals they've conceded, I'm seeing Chris Small and getting involved in grapples inside Loves the box. That's a little cheeky tug, doesn't he? Does, he? he does, he does indeed, and, and um, he, he will... He will He's not wholly comfortable, shall I say, at dealing with corners and his teammates around them. Sometimes their marking is questionable. I also look at the fullback positions, especially at right back. They've got so many injuries there. Mm. Valencia's out, uh, Darmian's out at, at the moment. That they're using a youngster called, called Love. Do their wide players, the likes of Depay and Lingard, are they astute enough defensively to provide the protection they need? I think there are question marks there. So two V1s in the full-back areas and at set plays, perhaps. So give me a key head-to-head -head battle. Well, I'm here, looking please. here and I am expecting David De Gea to, to be fit for this one. I think he, they, will, they will nurse him back for the big one. And I'm just looking at the battle between the two keepers, Petr Cech and David De Gea. I know they're not in direct competition on two the Two of pitch. the best in the land. You were talking about two match winners here and, um, and whoever performs best on the day is very unlikely to be on the losing side. I think it could be a battle between two of the best in the business. In terms of on the field, Coquelin against Matter is something that interests me because he is a really important player. With Rooney out, he's the guy with a little bit of craft that can whip nice balls into the box. Coquelin needs to shadow him closely. If he doesn't, you know, there'll be quality deliveries into the area for the likes of Martial to finish. So, uh, Coquelin v Mata and Czech v De Gea. Two. Double bubble. I like <laughs> it. Now, our Spanish correspondent's already pinched this once, I hate to say, but yes. we'll do it again. Go on. In a sentence. How'd you beat Man United? <laughs> in a sentence, we beat Manchester United by playing the same way we did at the FA Cup tie last season. We were professional that day and we were ruthless on the break. We have to do the same again. You can join Adrian alongside Perry Groves for the pre-match build-up on Arsenal.com from 1.35 on Saturday and then uninterrupted commentary from 2.05. Clarky, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries at all. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Jack Wilshire, Lee Roden, Adrian Clark, and Guna of the Month, Patrick Cochran, for their contributions today. And remember, if you want to be March's Guna of the Month, email arsenalweekly at arsenal.co.uk. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You'll never then miss a new show. And we're back on Monday, the 29th of February. Until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening, and remember you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.